Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. All right, we're rolling, man. Ooh, we live. Okay, got my boy Louis on here tonight. How you feeling, man? What's going on? Long time no see, brother. <laughs> I know. So, I know you're uh, Assistant Director of Admissions at University of Delaware. I am. How long you been doing that? Brother, oh, wow. Admissions, the life of admissions. I've, I've been doing admissions for now. I started back in 2012. So, nine years, I think. This is my ninth year. I'll start, be starting my 10th year next year. So, 10th year in just higher education admissions, right? Yeah, just in higher education. That, that wasn't... You know, that wasn't what I came out of college doing, but it's something that I just fell into, man. And it's it's, it's an interesting concept. You know, uh, you and I both went to Radford. Right. Shout out to the alma mater, I know. Uh, are you, that, baby? That shout out all the time. Um, but I, I was I was involved on campus and stuff, doing stuff with the foreign language department and then uh, got to meet Foster Redpath. Uh, a lot of people may, may not know him that listen to this. <laughs> and then got involved with him through his aspect and was at Campus Rec and whatnot. Uh, and that drew ire of someone in the alumni office, right? And so I, I had known the executive director of alumni relations. And, and she knew how much I hated the job that I got into once I left college. Yeah. And she was like, why don't you apply to this? And, and you know, you work for the state now, too. You know, sometimes when applying to a state job, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Turtle pace, man. I've been fortunate enough, my brother, that I literally applied on a Monday, got interviewed on a Tuesday, got hired that Friday for my first job in admission. And that was at Radford. Yeah, that was at Radford, man. And, and I did that. Uh, it, was, it was, I've been fortunate in that aspect because the same thing happened when I left and, and went for Delaware. I got interviewed on a Thursday, phone interview, did the in-person Zoom interview on Monday, was told to drive up for that Wednesday, and then offer the job the very next day. So within a week, at a different institution that I had no connections to, I got the job. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I know I was extremely fortunate for that first one. The second one, I'm, I'm going to say, Radford prepared me to interview properly. Of course. Um, but admissions in general, man, like, it's evolving. Uh, you know, I talk to parents all the time that are like, oh, well, when I was in college, and I always want to be like, well, when you were in college, things were a lot different. <laughs> a lot. Even between us two, like, 
I, I applied to college in 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And then to now, it's completely evolved. Um, and for any of your listeners that have kids or are going to have kids in the future and, and their kids are thinking about college, my piece of advice is just go with the involvement of it. Don't try to say that it's the same because um, I hate to say it changes because it doesn't. There's still part of the academics that you have approach is just evolved to be a finer instrument, I guess. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, so you're saying like, you know, compared to, let's say, the 60s and 70s, college was not anything like it is now, you know, as far as prices and, you know, gyms and dorms and I guess the majors too and just how big they've gotten. So you're just saying evolve with – because usually with – usually with, from what I understand, most parents are concerned where those children are going to eat, where they sleep, and where they're going to play – and then it seems like the academics kind of are on a back burner. And my, this is what, from what I've viewed and seen. And from what I see on the front lines, man, everybody's worried about what job they're going to get after college. Of course. You know, and I always, I laugh inside, obviously. I don't laugh outside because it's rude, right? Uh, where they're like, what kind, of, what kind of job can my student get with that degree? Mm-hmm. Like any job they want. Like, in fact... You and I both know jobs that are current today weren't even an option when we were a freshman in college. I agree. Right? And it's the involvement of what we need. We're a consumer population. And so what are we consuming? Right now it's iTech, social media. It's it's that aspect of the world that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on, right? Uh-huh. Uh, look at uh, my good friend who, who works at Radford now. He's the assistant director of social media admission so he runs all the social media accounts which is a job within itself you know asking these influencers right <laughs> they're always working because they're always gonna they need to provide like, new material for their getting that content right so i i laugh internally when parents like well i want my i want to make sure that my student does well well they're gonna do well if they invest the same amount of time that they do into the actual college whatever college they go to and turn out, it's an investment, right? Whatever you put in, you're going to get back out. Uh, you know, I always joke about it. I came from Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. down to Radford University. Very different, even within the same state. Very, very different. Yeah. But I, I invested as much as I was going to get out of it, right? And it's, it's an equal distribution. It's an equal payoff. And when you look at it that way, as opposed to you're just going to go there for a job, you're missing the entire aspect of going to college, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're so focused on what's the next step without having, without really realizing. And this is a quote from a great book: uh, "Where I go, where you go is not who you'll be," by Frank Bruni, right? And it's like, I like that. Yeah, college college is not meant to produce employees. It's meant to help you learn for now and the next level of learning. It's supposed to help you uh, figure out who you are, your ethics, your morals, your values, and where you stand. Because our world tomorrow is going to be very different, right? So, of course, of course, you know. And, and that's a paraphrase. I didn't, you know, I don't have the book in front of me, but I've used that time and time again. And parents are always like, "Well, yeah, but how much money?" I'm like, "Oh, you, you know, I've heard some of your other podcasts, bro. And everyone's talking about like markets and, and the economy and stuff like that." 
the economy is always going to work itself out somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it, I, I just, I worry that we're so worried. I, I'm worried that parents are so focused on one thing as opposed to more than one thing, you know? Um, and, and that's my tidbit on it, admissions. When you're looking at it overall, just remember that where you go is not who you'll be. There are plenty of success stories coming from a small school like Radford. Of course, yeah. Smaller yeah. like Randolph College. Mm-hmm. And then you have a bunch of success stories from parents are like, well, what about Harvard? They've got so many success stories. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're the oldest college in the, in, in the whole United States, right? <laughs> of course, they have more opportunity to have more success stories, right? Right. And, and people are trying to compare it, you, you know, one college to another, and you can't. My newest, my newest analogy that I came up with this one on my own. It is. I'm, I'm on this podcast, so I can kind of patent it now, right? Yeah, dude, throw it out here, man. Get your comparing message out. Colleges, comparing colleges is like comparing apples. Okay. So you're comparing apples to apples, and they're like, "Well, yeah, of course, they're the same thing, right?" Yes and no, and the fact that I found out through research, this world that we live in has over 7,500 variants of apples. 7,500. Yeah. 7,500 variants of apples. I would I would have never thought that. No right? way. I thought maybe like 20. Yeah, I'll probably name five, maybe. No, Green apple, bro, red there's, apple. There's, there's apples beyond measure. We can get back into this. Uh, but here in the United States alone, there's only commercial sale of about 100 different types of apples. Okay. They're all apples. Right? They're all distinguished as apples. But they're different. Some are sweet. Some are tart. Some are tangy. Some have that, you know, that Granny Smith apple. That yeah, a little sour. Red apple that gets a little too old. Then you get that grainy taste. Of mm-hmm. it. Some like that, right? Okay. Some have a different coloring on the inside that's more like a beet red. Uh, so there's a bunch of di- different apples, but they're all apples. And so I tell students, trying to compare colleges is like comparing apples. They're all on the outside the same thing an academic institution that's accredited. But what you find on the inside is going to be different. Hey. You'll never find, you'll never know what's on the inside without taking a bite. Hey, okay. Right? So investing in what you're going to take out. So your bite is your investment. Mm-hmm. What you take from that bite is what you're taking out of college. Because could I have done just as well at, at a school like Virginia Tech that's right down the road from Radford? Maybe. Would I have been as involved? Maybe. Could I have done something bigger and better at Harvard? I don't know, man. Like, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe, right? But I, I can't go back to, to and look at my time and experience at Radford and be like, oh, I wish I could have done this. Or I wish I would have gone elsewhere. Right. I could never exchange what I gained, the people I met, because of Radford. Right? Uh, I am who I am today more so because of the people that I met mm-hmm. as opposed to the institution that I was at. Right? I got set up pro- properly by different people at Radford University that took care of me. Yeah. Sure I got paid through work study and then got to go to the gym for free. <laughs> right? Like got to got to meet my, 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 my CrossFit guys, got to, you know, shoot the shit with y'all on stupid stuff that we would never have like encountered if I hadn't gone to Radford. Yeah. I agree 100%. So 
So, uh, like, that's my new thing, man, is comparing colleges like comparing apples. There's over 7,500 variants. Mm-hmm. I like that, man. Only pick a few, man. And I, I dropped that I dropped that knowledge on a panel that I was on last week, and, and a colleague was like, I could always count on you for an analogy. I was like, <laughs> I, I made that one up today. Let's let go. I was like, yeah, because I, I was uh, talking to my girlfriend about uh, apple pies not, not too long ago, and I hell did I know that to make a good apple pie there's like four different apples Fiji Granny Smith I didn't know that I'm not a baker (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like I I remember thinking how many apples are there man there's 7500 bro in this world that's that's crazy I would have never thought that here commercially in the states huh it's weird it's so weird like I, I look it up man I want to say yeah I wonder now make sure all fruits and vegetables that there's different Variants. variants of a ball now yeah man but that's uh, wild now nah, it's, it's it's crazy bro uh, and now i'm at the university of delaware i, I did five years at, at radford and then uh, i had started the regional program which just means i live in the area that i recruit and back then i was recruiting for radford in Northern virginia and then i got involved in some organizations i know when you were at radford uh, or you're, being, you're still at radford but when you were in a different <laughs> division at radford yeah you would go to the conferences, right? And, mm-hmm. know and network. Oh, yeah. And again, it's not the institution, it's the people. Of course. People, you know, right? So your network is your network. Um, I got involved in a couple of different organizations and, and I was able to, my name came up for a search for Delaware. They're like, hey, there's this guy at Radford that started a, or implemented the regional program there. He may want to move. And I got a phone call and they're like, we want you to apply. And I was like, all right, cool. It wasn't my intention to leave when yeah. I left. Yeah. Just an opportunity showed up. Yeah, I had a green light come open, and why yeah, not? And it was time, uh, you know, uh, I tell young admissions counselors now that are working for their alma mater, there's going to come a time where, where you start to not resent your alma mater, but you're angry at them because you, you know how great they can be. And they're not. And they're not, and, and they're not stepping up to that. To that batter's batter's box, right? And, uh, why is it, why do you think that is? I mean, do you think it's just because of administration, or is there something holding them back? We're, we're just we're blinded for our love for our institution. Okay, you know, love is blind, bro. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, so hitting. Blind, whether it be a whether it be a significant other, a place you work for, whatever, it's it's just you have so much love and appreciation for that for that person, institution, whatever it may be that sometimes you miss their faults. Okay. And it's the same thing when it comes to a relationship. It's the same thing when it comes to a, a job place. You know, it, it's unfortunate, but that's that's what it is. And and you, you know how much potential something has, but they're not reaching it. Mm-hmm. You get frustrated, but you of course. love it. At one point, you're going to have to leave it before you start to hate it. That makes sense. I got to the point where I was getting frustrated with, with, with my institution, with my alma mater. I still love it. I see you every time I come down to visit. Oh, for <laughs> sure, man. I love it. By, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's something that it, it reminds me of who I was. Uh, you know, Jimmy Valvano, it being March in the ESPYs. Ah, uh, yeah. You got to know where you came from, know where you are, know where you want to be. And it's like, it's things like that that really help me transition in my job because bro i you know me i don't, I don't give a shit two shits yeah i cried my v i, cr- I called my vp to let her know uh 
when I when I was leaving when I was putting my resignation. And I bawled like a baby for an hour, bro. Afterwards, because I I didn't, I didn't think I ever, was ever going to leave Radford. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I always thought I was going to have that connection to Radford while working for them, or but now I'm just that old school alum that just comes every once in a while for for alumni weekend or basketball games. Obviously, this past year was was tough for everybody. But, uh, yeah, you know, you've got a, such a emotional connection with an area. It, it's tough to leave it, but I don't regret it, man. I, I'm doing. I, I'm. I've been able to climb even further in, in the ladder be more involved on, on national votes. Nice. So I became a delegate for my local chapter of, uh, of the ACACs, which is just, uh, Wait, what, what is ACACs? So the NACAC, which is the national association of college admissions counseling. Okay. It was the entire nation. Uh, and it's just an organization that follows specific ethics and, um, suggestions cause we can't call it rules anymore. Uh, you know, as an organization, the Department of Justice sued us. <laughs> oh. we, can get into that if, we can get into that if you want to. Um, but because of Potomac and Chesapeake, which is a regional organization, so it's Potomac, Chesapeake, ACAC, uh, and Potomac and Chesapeake covers Maryland, Delaware, D.C., Virginia, and West Virginia. Okay. And, and through my involvement with Potomac and Chesapeake, I, I was elected a delegate so when there was a huge vote to be made about our board of, or like our ethics that we had and our rules, I was on the national stage at a national conference making that vote to change bylaws for a national organization. So your, your ethics for the emissions? Yeah. Okay. So and the reason why the ethics, the rules of admissions and, and the organization, we had to change them is because the Department of Justice uh, – sued us for antitrust. Now, why is that? I mean... Because apparently our rules secluded some institutions of higher ed. Uh, huh. One of the rules, one, one of the old rules was uh, don't recruit a student who's already made a deposit after they've deposited. Uh, so deposit another university, you can't go and say, hey... You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. It's almost rec- like recruiting athletics in when they, if they sign up a letter of intent, but can't they? Correct. So it'd be like another institution would be like, let me still recruit you. Yeah, I still can come over. So, but in the admission world is, as soon as a student puts their deposit down, all, all other institutions are supposed to back off and be like, all right, cool, you made your decision. Right? That was one of the rules that, that was our uh, preferred practices that we called them. Right? Okay. Uh, I'm with you. Another one was uh, the recruitment of transfer students. Uh, and it's a bunch of different things, man. It's a lot of mumbo jumbo that was, it, I think Jeff Sessions, the old AG, which is <laughs> either that or he had, he had a good friend in a, I don't know, even know if he's president of that university anymore, that was that's in Virginia. Or I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> Uh, but there, there's an institution in Virginia. Okay. Uh, that wasn't part of NACAC at that point in time because their recruitment practices were unethical. They were providing free swag to students that, to apply and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So you're not allowed so, to do that either? No. So when I'm at a college fair, I can't give out anything swag related. Like, you know, all those drawstring bags that we yeah, have. Yeah, and free t shirts and stuff. I can't give that out. Pins? You can give out pens as long as they have the admissions email and number. Okay. Right. Um, or or uh, 
now once they're once they're admitted and they come to campus for a decision day or like before they deposit you can give them all the swag they want yeah but until they it, it's a weird thing man it's, see i didn't know any of this i it's almost similar to athletics and and i didn't never would have thought that i mean i understand the athletics and like we just said signing the intent and hey you've already said you're coming here and you can't touch them but with students still looking around trying to go wherever they want to go yeah i didn't know you couldn't just give them out a free drawstring brag like you just said or a cup or college fair, uh, that's that's the wild the new river valley hosts the college fair every every year um sometime in september and all the state all the counties from local local are invited one year it's always held at, at deadman center and the other year it's held at uh new river yeah and so the alternate years and they bring in students from as far down as like uh withville um you know and as far north as like Blacksburg, they go to Martin down towards Martinsville and those areas too. So they have another one. Yeah. Oh, one down there. Yeah. So they have another one. But if you ever go to that one, <clears throat> like I'll shoot you a text next time I'm down there. For okay. The Whenever that may be, and you can come in and you'll see the schools that are there. The only stuff that are allowed to give out is stuff that has the admissions, not phone number or email on. That's it. Because it's a, it's a promotional piece. It's not like free swag. Gotcha. Like I could never give you a free T-shirt, which it's 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 funny. I, I get it. It's finicky, but it's it's to prevent poaching, right? It's, okay. Because you know, the other thing was, schools would call in the past. Schools would call and be like, "Oh, they offered you five thousand dollars scholarship. We'll offer you seven if you if you deposit with us." Like, there's some schools out, man, that are some that are shady in the background. See, I would have never thought of all this, man. That's wild yeah, to me. Yeah, and, and I, I'm a firm believer. I don't know because we're not allowed to know who brought the antitrust against NACAC. Yeah. Uh, but Potomac and Chesapeake was also listed as on that on that antitrust. So I'm I'm assuming, just knowing membership and knowing who's in NACAC and stuff like that, that it was a school in Virginia that was chummy with Jeff Sessions. <laughs> Their president was chummy with Jeff Sessions and was upset that they couldn't recruit at national college fairs. Hmm. Like like all the other schools. Hmm. You know? I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but um, they're, they're not one of our favorites rivals let's put it like that okay i'm with you i'm with you you picking up what i'm putting yeah, yeah, yeah. okay that, that made sense right there that made sense right there um and, and i mean that athletically right right um, i got they're you no, they're not even in our conference anymore so it doesn't matter okay um now you know yeah i'm with you now <laughs> uh, but yeah man like there's so much to admissions that i didn't even know about until i got into it so is this part of because now you're assistant director, and at Radford you were just a missions counselor, right? I was for the first three years, and then when I got promoted to be the regional, because we're a state institution, they had to give me a title change to match my pay band. Okay. Uh, to me, titles and admissions don't care, don't don't matter. Okay. At the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. We're recruiting. Reading applications, making decisions, doing yield events. Okay, so I'm wondering if that's kind of your duties changed with the title change, just like you just said, or you were more seeing the big picture as opposed to. 
No, my I'll, my duties my duties change <laughs> every time I say duties. It reminds me of Chandler Bing. <laughs> <laughs> that episode of Do the Duties. <laughs> duties. Duties. Um, not like my involvement in admissions changed over time because I got more involved with organizations. Okay. Next year, I was making cool organizations and and having opportunities to speak to minds that have been in the game for 30, 30 plus years, dude. Like, you know, that have seen the involvement of admissions and testing and and um, grade trends and all that other stuff, man. And, and just there's so much more to it than just what people know. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know so much about Southwest Virginia, but. I'm pretty sure number one destination for anyone in the south in Southwest is Virginia Tech. Of course, it's the big name school. Yeah, big ACC football where it was there for a little bit, and this year they got they need, they need to let go. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different topic, but yeah, they they yeah. they going downhill. Yeah, um, but let's be for real. No one ever wants to be the coach after the coach. Yeah, it's tough, especially coach. when you follow up a legend. I mean, yeah. like I, I I'm terrified for whoever takes over for. Uh, Coach K and Roy and Bill Self. And, yeah, all those blue blood schools. Yeah, dude. Like, th- think about it. Uh, what's his name from uh, Jim Beheim? Mm-hmm. Syracuse. Guy, yeah, he, he should be on the way out soon, right? Well, he's who's, pretty old. He, who's gonna take? Who's gonna take up after Jim Beheim? I don't know. Who who, to be yeah, who, who do you get? Who do you? How do you follow up? Like you just said, Coach K and Roy and how do you, how? I would know. You just you have to start a whole new era. I know, you know, Duke isn't doing. They're going to be lucky to make the tournament this year, I think. But as a Carolina fan, bro, I'm excited about that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, but it's just odd, you know. I mean, I think we're going off topic here, but yeah, I mean, how do you, you know, Frank Beamer? How do you follow up somebody with that type of who put that? You know, he made Virginia Tech, obviously. He he put them on the map. Yeah. Um. But it's the same. It's the same thing in in admissions. Like, do you follow up by going to the same school everyone else is going to because it has that name? You gotta do something you different. Evolve. You evolve from that. Okay. Right, uh, and, and it goes back to where you go is not who you'll be. I, I, had, I had a friend of mine who went to Virginia Tech, working a, a good city job. You know, so it's it, like, did he do bigger and better than me? You're, com- you're trying to compare two completely different paths, right? And uh, I always I always focus that with my students that I speak to on a daily. It's like, stop worrying about competing with the person next to you. You got to compete against you. Yeah. It, it goes back to CrossFit. Like, you're not competing against anyone in CrossFit. You're competing against yourself and your times, right? And to be better. Of course, yeah. I mean, I've always heard comparison or competing is a, you know, what, a thief of... Comparisons to Thief of Joy. There, there, there it is. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. So, yeah, when you start doing that to other people and yourself. And, and think of it this way. You, a Southwest Virginia guy. Oh, yeah, born and bred. Would you have... Where you are at now, would you ex- would you change going to Rapid? You know, like you were saying earlier, I thought that... In one time that, yeah, I should have went to Tech because I would have had a Virginia Tech name behind me then, and it would have opened up more opportunities for me. And then, you know, back then, I, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah, you know, you are you went to Radford just because you went to Radford, and that was the only school I was going to get in, and all my friends went there, and why not go there? 
But now, you know, and the more I think, you know, I got older and I said, yeah, you should have went to tech. You could have had more networking opportunities, joined new different clubs, organizations, you know, had a whole different experience. But, I mean, looking back at it, I'm happy where I'm at right now. And I don't know, it could have been worse for me if I went to tech. You just never know. I mean, you know, I went I went over there a few times and, you know, party during football games and stuff. And I, and I remember wondering, man, if I would have went to school here, would I would have been a piece of shit and just – Drank and partied and the whole time. I mean, yeah, I did my fair share of Radford too, but I wonder if it would have been even worse at Tech just because there's so many more people and more networking opportunities. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. You know, not with everything, obviously, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it always could be better. But I mean, we're human, right? We yeah, be exactly. We be perfect. It's stronger, if not perfection, right? There you go. And Regardless of it, you, you did get a four-year degree. You got a master's out of it, too. Of course. And you, you got yours paid for, right? Because you, you worked for the school? Well, no. So I didn't do it that route because I wanted to do a different I, – I should have done it that route. But I wanted to do uh, sports management at that time, and Radford doesn't have that. So yeah. I had to find another way. But you still got it. But, yeah, I mean, I could have got a degree, for a paid-for master's degree, if I would have done it that route. But I mean, there's so many ways to game the system when it comes to paying for college. But that's neither here nor there. But I just, you know, for your listeners and for any of our friends that are going to have kids in the next 15 to 20 years, you're never going to get a full ride ever. Not even those athletes get full rides. Really? Nah, man. You you still got to pay for the, You're either paying for the application or you're paying for a book. So you got to pay for something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying, though. Like a, a student I, athlete that gets a full ride, they're still paying for something, right? Okay whether it's their time or even the application. Because even student-athletes at Alabama and Virginia Tech still have to apply. Right. Now, is their admissions process completely different at those big names? It's a lot of – it's completely different. Maybe, maybe so, right? And I'm not going to speak on that because uh, the, the couple graduate classes that I took, one of my papers was comparing athletics to admissions. Nice. And, and how, how, oh. how much athletics has caused – college to become more expensive while still get, garnering value for the university as well. So you think that's the reason higher education's tuition has gone up mostly for, from athletics? Education has gone up because because of, well, not you and I, we don't have kids, but the, those parents that have want better for their kids. So it's who's got the biggest and baddest buildings, right? Right. Uh, remember when Radford was building our brand new gym, what, what other institution ended up Right up 81. Oh, yeah. I've been to that one. I've been to that one. Expanded their gym and made it bigger and better. Yeah. Like, it's a keeping up with the Joneses thing. And let's be for real, at state schools, that money's got to come from somewhere. It's coming from state funding, predominantly taxes, uh, alumni funding, stuff like that. And our alumni base compared to other institutions is a lot smaller. We're a smaller school where we haven't been around as long. So that's why when people are like, well, why is, you know, why is that school in Charlottesville so much better academic? Uh They've had hundreds and hundreds of years to perfect their academics. Yeah. Because of that, people have made money and that money has returned back to them. It's, man, it's, it's a whole keeping up with the Joneses thing. Who's got the biggest and baddest buildings? I agree with that. Yeah. There's a school in, in North Carolina that promises a student, you know, a parking space next to their dorm. What? Four different tiers of dorm rooms, bro, where 
t- the fourth tier is like they have a concierge in their in their dorm building uh, that picks up their laundry and stuff like that. But like, dude, could you that, believe that? Like, that's ridiculous. Now that's going over. So the bells I mean, and whistles of it, like that's what makes it costly. But if if we really want to solve the student debt crisis, I think three things need to happen. Okay, what are they? One, we need to stop stop calling it student debt. What do you mean? It's an investment. Okay, well, it is it is an investment. When you I agree house, with that. You call it a housing debt. Do I call no. it now? No, you call it a you call it an investment. Buying property. Exactly. It's you hope so. Future, right? Yeah, you get a return on that investment. Same thing with college. You're investing in yourself, not in property or land. So we need to stop calling it student debt. We need to call. We need to start calling it a student investment or a per, or individual investment. Okay. Um, the second thing is we need to completely separate athletics from academics. Uh, you, it, it's it's crazy to me that the highest paid Virginia State employee is a football coach. Is that Fuente? I believe so. I, that's what I thought. I think four point three mil, something like that. Yeah, it's... And, and that that's dude, that's baby money compared to some. Well, Nick Saban in Alabama, he's the highest one. Eight eight some million. <laughs> like, I get that. Not all of that comes from tuition. Not all of that comes from uh, ticket revenue. It's a combination of things, right? It's uh, boosters and um, ticket sales and parking sales, and some of it comes from the actual institution, but it's a combination of things that are making that even worse. The downside to that is, though, if you separate it, you're going to really s- separate the powerhouses from the mid-majors. Yeah. Because right? a school like us, like Radford, is not going to be able to pay the top head coach to come and coach for us. Ever. Of course. Because right? we don't have the means for it, and we don't have historically a program that can Provide yeah, they can't fund for that. We're we're the basketball team that goes plays in Kentucky and gets paid to go out there and exactly gets, exactly and it gets you know gets whomped and might get what hundred thousand dollars for coming out there maybe yeah, whatever and, it is and that's Gucci and, and that provides you athletics. well that's what keeps the program going basically yeah, part of it but the other thing is uh, when I was at at Radford and I found this out about more institutions there's mandatory fees within your room board and tuition okay. And so sometimes those mandatory fees go towards things you had no idea about. Like, uh, what do you mean? So why why does all athletic events, why are they all free for students at, at Radford? Just to get the students in there? No, because it's part of your mandatory fees. Wait, okay, so that is part, to be yeah. free. Yeah, to be free or to be reduced. Ah, okay. For student, for student prices. So it because that didn't click with me. I haven't. I yeah, idea. man. Like back then, it was like an extra thousand bucks to our mandatory fees, um, not including like the lab fees that you would do for for science or whatever. But there's there's those fees, and I urge parents to take a look into that. Because then the thing is, you better tell your son or daughter to go to to those athletic events because you're paying for them, right? Right. What is it? A student ticket at Virginia Tech's thirty-five. I guess I don't even know. I don't remember last time I even to a game. The public is like fifty. Yeah, roughly. Reduced for students, but is it really reduced if you're paying for it on the front end? Nah. And what if you're not even a sports fan? Are you? Yeah. Well, yeah. What if I never go to a game? I don't care about football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why am I paying this? But that's the thing. Those are part of the mandatory fees. 
it's like the the rule the the price of do business there. Yeah. You go buy a car, you got to pay a processing fee every time you pay one. That's I, I, yeah, I know how that goes. So and you're like, wait, but why am I paying for you to keep my stuff for for you? I don't care. It's just part of doing business there, man. And as much as I hate to say it, college has become such a business. It is. Yeah, man. Think think of the money that's spent in college a year. It's ridiculous, dude. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, and the thing is. Prices keep going up, but scholarship money isn't going up. That's a good point. I did. I noticed that. Yeah, and it, it, it's sad because we're gonna we're gonna get to a point where it's gonna pop. The bubble's gonna pop. Bubble's so what pop. what happens then? You think? Uh, decline in student enrollment. Uh, you're gonna see more and more colleges close down. Uh, uh, so a lot of these private colleges might not even make it. You think? Exactly, and, and then. You look at a at a state institution, a small state institution like Radford. Technically, uh, we get less funding from the state because we're not providing enough. I've noticed that. You know, so of course the the big name schools are going to keep. They're going to be just fine. Like I I said it before the pandemic started, or when we really were paying attention, uh, that we're going to be closed for a year. The big schools will be fine. They don't. They have research money, grant money. All that stuff, right? It's the smaller schools that I was worried about because those smaller schools, they rely more on tuition dollars to, to provide grant research and stuff like that, research for their faculty as part of their curriculum and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, a couple of schools in, in, the, in the New England area closed down this past year or they'll be done this May um, and then they're not opening anymore. Um, uh, a private institution in Delaware well, is one of them, Wellesley College, small school that no one really has ever heard of unless you're from that area. Yeah. But it's closing down. It's a private liberal institution that has to close down. Uh, That's tough. Enrollment died because of the pandemic. Yeah. I had I had a colleague of mine, man, that was has been in admission since like 1991, right? And he was like, uh, I was talking to him. I was like, what do you think about the pandemic? What's it going to do to college? He goes, it's going to be the same thing that, that happened during uh, September 11th. Like, what? He's like, you're old enough for September 11th. I said, yeah, I remember September 11th. Yeah. Like, you know, unlike some of the students that are applying now, they were born in 2003, bro. Don't even get me started. But <laughs> like, he, he was like, when that happened, students didn't migrate far like they, they have been because they wanted to be closer to home. Just because they, they were scared or? The case popped off and they needed to get home. Okay. You know, think about the, the world shutting down about a year ago next week, right? Or two weeks from now. Yeah, we're, we're going right at a yeah, year. We're going a year. Yeah. How many students were, were stranded where they went to school because flights were shut down? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, we had a few at Radford that way. They, they couldn't yeah. get home, so they just stayed in the dorms. Exactly. And then as an institution, you have to maintain those dorms open, but then you're also having to pay your dining room and, and staff like that. And you're losing money. Like it, the pandemic has made a lot of institutions bleed. Yeah. <laughs> bleed green. And that's why most of them have either reopened fully or opened fully because they knew they weren't, weren't going to be able to take that financial hit. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting factor what this pandemic has done. But on the other hand, it has really peeled back the onion on 
the inequality in education in this country. How do you mean by that? When it comes to the high school students and the opportunities that high school students have uh, and how testing really, you know, SATs and ACTs really aren't, shouldn't be the sole focus of schools. But, uh, you know, most people don't know that SATs and ACTs, all they really help is with rankings. Just as far as your rank in the re- recruitment rank series? Or? Yeah, dude, one of the, one of the preliminary, <laughs> and this is why I, when, when I have parents that are like, oh, what about Delaware? I heard they have a great, you know, like a highly ranked chemical engineering program, which technically we do. Yeah. Rankings are bullshit, dude. Rankings are straight bullshit. Yeah. Because one of the rank, one of the criteria for the, for the ranking is how many freshmen you have sitting in an English class their first semester. What does that have to do with the with the quality of the school? Nothing. I agree. So, like, there, there's a bunch of U.S. Newsweek. They reported a few years ago what their criteria is and stuff like that. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is this is bullshit. <laughs> Of course, the higher the schools that are, have been around longer and have more funds can be on that list, but it's because part of it it's paying for it. Like we can we can pay to be on that list, right? Because we can bring in the best professors, and then they'll be they'll have enough seats in their English class, or so they're bullshit. Hmm. You know? That's why I always tell a student, don't worry about the college that you're that you know. I mean, you got to worry, but it's not to the point where you're going to stretch yourself out. But understand that rankings don't mean shit once you leave the school. So, yeah, I mean, I've never been asked what my SAT or score was or my GRE score or anything. No, no, but beyond that, a Harvard grad, does, does having that diploma on the wall really guarantee you a job? No. No. Not at all, man. College, you go to college to find out how to speak to people, how to talk to people. Find out who you are. How to network. There you go. Right? Uh, and and I always find it funny when a parent's like, well, you went to Radford, you probably drank a lot. Uh, excuse me, but I've never met a CEO that doesn't like to have a drink. Yeah, I agree. Every time I've went up to conferences, like we were talking about earlier, yeah, we, they're buying up stuff for us, man. I've never met a CEO that doesn't like to have. They want to have a good time. The wine or good bourbon with a cigar if they're a smoker. Like, that's where you make the opportunity to have a job. Uh But, like, I always joke about it, not joke about it with my students, but I always tell them, you know, a degree will help open the door. But once you're in there, it's all on you. Yeah. It's all on you. How you speak, how, how your tone. How you articulate yourself as as an individual. Well, it's like what you said earlier. How much work you put into it, what you're going to get out of it. So exactly, exactly. If you go in there and half-ass it, that's what you're going to get. Of course, is that is there that two percent of the population that, because of a last name or because of you know the lineage that they have, do they have opportunities before everyone else? Of course, it's called yeah, privilege. That's how it goes. It's called privilege, regardless, uh, and. and those people may be a boss one day or maybe a manager or, or, or a CEO, but they're not a CEO from their own like being, right? They're, they, they, they got help a lot more help than most other people, but they, they got help. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got, you know, they got a leg up on, you know, it just, yeah. it happens. 
And, and it's it's unfortunate because obviously we know the history of our country and how disproportionate it is between uh, different races and stuff like that. But you you've got to look at it this way: if you want to make change, you can't just speak about it. You got to do it. Of course. Whether it be in your own life or in the world around you, whatever it may be, like you just can't you just can't remain stagnant about. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to put some type of effort. You got to evolve. Um, but it, it's it's an interesting factor now. Also, though, the the I guess what people are always pushing is like the big brand name schools, right? Mm-hmm. I remember being at Radford and, and trying to get Radford's name out there, and I, I'd reach out to the, all these uh, hoity-toity independent schools that the, the families are paying a college tuition amount to go there for their for their high school student. And I never got invited to speak on panels, bro. Really? Yeah, never. Like I would, I'd be like, oh, you know, I live up here. If you ever need someone coming on a panel, like let me know. Like, never, nope, I didn't want you, dude. The moment I worked for start, I started at Delaware. Emails. Hey, we saw that you started over here. Would you want to come talk? You know what I did, man? Uh, I'm gonna go back to the schools that wanted me there when I was with a different school first. Okay. Then I'll trickle down and. See, then that's that's cool of you, dude. That's badass. Because you gotta you gotta worry about those that took care of you first. Of course, right? You know, it's, yeah. Know where you came from. Exactly. And where I was at that point in time was because of where I came from. So I, you know, when people are like, "Oh, I can't believe you decided to go work with the public school on a panel instead of doing that private school," and I'm like, well, "That public school has been calling me since 2012." Private school started calling me back in 2018 when I first, or 2017 when I first started working for Delaware. Yeah. And besides, so I didn't know that. Those private schools, they'll get somebody to come talk. To Their students are going to be fine. I'm more worried about the students that don't have access to a top name school to come and talk. To mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I get that. So it's 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 an interesting dynamic for me personally. Where, where I'm always talking to, to new admissions counselors that, that, I, that I mentor that, you know, I get to meet over time. And they're like, well, how'd you get to where you're at? And I'm like, you, you never forget where you came from. Yeah. You can't. You can't, man, because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that's who you have to be? Not at all. No, you, can ch- you said you can change. You can evolve. Exactly. But, um, nah, man, admissions is a funny, finicky thing, bro. There's so much behind it that, that doesn't, I mean, I could I could talk seven hours on a presentation from beginning to end, and and numbers and funnels and statistics and the probability of a student getting admitted somewhere over another student and, and all this other crap, and it's just it's a whole. There's so much going behind so much going on behind the curtains that is more than what the general public. Knows. Yeah, I mean, you've you've opened my eyes up to a lot of things, and you know, I've worked for a university, but not in your sector, but. Or I still do work for the university, but yeah, I would have never thought there was that much difference in missions and yeah. what you can and can't do, and even on the recruitment, even on the recruitment, but even more so on the application. Chris, when you applied to 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 Radford, do you remember how you applied? Online. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I tra- I transferred into Radford, so okay. from community college. Okay, so. So I guess I just filled out the application online, paid my fee. Like, yeah. Was, do you remember how much your fee was back then? Thirty. Yeah. 
25 some maybe some college application is now like 75 100 bucks no shit bro, yeah, bro. I th- i'm pretty sure it was th- maybe 30 or 35 remains a bell to me yeah. now like i was i was talking to my good buddy uh jake woodfin who lives down in radford well i met because of radford we were at, we were at uh, McAdoo's one time that I was down there visiting. Yeah. And we were talking about his kids and how he's like, man, uh, I'm hoping my kids get to go to college for as much as I did. And I was like, bro, Radford is more expensive than when it is now than when you were there. Yeah, like, don't, don't bet on that. Yeah, it's going to keep increasing. So I, I told him, just make sure you know you invest in, in proper things like the 529 plan and stuff like that. But um, now, nah, man, admissions is... There's so much beneath that surface that that no one really knows, and it's it's very different per institution. So you know, I get why students are stressed so much right now when they apply to schools, and why parents are like overstressing their students too. You know, yeah. Put it. Well, kind of echoing back here, uh, this kind of you're talking about community college. Um, and with the pandemic, so you you know, pandemic is obviously having a hard times on the universities, as you just said. But I'm wondering also, it seemed like before the pandemic, Radford was in decline of students as far as total enrollment. Mm-hmm. So are we starting to see other students go towards the community college, trade school aspect instead of going to the traditional four year university now? Yeah. So trade school has become a big thing because we are losing skilled laborers, right? Right. Like plumbers. Welders, electricians. That's why they get to charge so much because no, no one knows what the hell they're doing with the toilet other than sitting on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but the, the thing is, let's be for real, we need both. We need academics and we need laborers. That, that's, who are, that's what our country was built on. Of course. Right? Um, you, need, you need the academic to write the theory and then you need the laborers to put it into practice. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I and it, it saddens me because obviously the alma mater. I feel like Radford's admissions uh, numbers declined over time because uh, we we were missing the ball. We became you know people safety school, uh, the school that they knew they were going to get into. Well, that's what I was always told growing up that Radford's your safety. Yeah, but but in reality, is it really your safety or is it? A school that you can go to and flourish, but that just goes back to how we deliver what the, what we are. Yeah, that was a narrative that I got. You know, it's just a party school. Yeah, they'll take anybody if you just write your name on the application. But again, like you just said, you go there and flourish. And who's the guy from uh, that works for ESPN? Came out of Radford, Marty Smith. There you go. Yeah. Like here's the thing: Did we party? Hell yeah, dude! Like, yeah. dude, I cheered in college. Like, I went to every mixer there was possible. Mm. Blue <laughs> yeah. in the house, let's go. But the thing is, but I also learned how to work hard. Yeah. Work and hard, play hard, right? And, and that's the aspect. But let's be for real. We both know plenty of students that got to Radford. All they did was party. And they weren't there for more than a year. No, I've seen it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you still see it now. Like, yeah. You know, students that, that come in and out. But like, the, the, we focus, there's such a focus on a specific narrative as opposed to the positives coming out. But that's true about anything in society. You fuck up once, they're going to remember that fuck up over everything you did right. Right? Well, that's what more people always remember, the negative things more than the positive seems, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, And it's unfortunate because we don't allow 
what's going, you know, what's really, what's really being see, shown as opposed to what's being seen. Hmm. Make sense? Yeah, 100%. I like you, that. You see this, and that parent that was like, oh, that's just a party school. That's because they know somebody that went their party. Yeah, they're looking only the outside looking in and just based on what somebody heard. 3,000, 2,000 students that graduated and now are gainfully employed, living happy lives. Uh-huh. Uh, and, but we as alumni need to change that as well. You know, we don't, you know, I, I go to alumni events for Radford and I hear alums talking to students and they're like, uh, oh yeah, you know, I had a great time at Radford. Uh, yeah, we all did. Like, they, yeah. they knew that. But, but we also need you to talk more about the academics. Like, yeah. The purpose that you did there. Like, did a professor really inspire you to do something different? You know, that's what is going to sell a student. Every school is a fucking party school. Like I, that's, that was, I, was, I was getting ready to say, you can go to Harvard and you're going to be up there finding bars and partying and whatever you want to do. Dude, I, I went up to Boston for, for a national fair and I ran into some students uh, from Harvard at a bar. And these are graduates and they're just getting tanked. And these kids can drink. I call them kids. They're probably like 24, 25. <laughs> and these dudes, these these people could drink. Like, and they were taking shot for shot with me. And they're like, they're like oh, you, you drink pretty well. No shit, Sherlock. I'm a big motherfucker. <laughs> but I also learned how to drink down in, you know, where, where I went to school. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we've never heard of Radford. But it's a regional thing, dude. Like, I get that. I had an interview at Rutgers one time, and they had never heard of Radford, you know, when I was up there talking. Because we're both RU. You know what? And I made that stupid joke, and I was like, God, I'm a fucking idiot, you know? But anyway, I don't think they found that funny. But yeah, they had never heard of Radford either, so. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy, man. Like, Obviously, the big names like Rutgers, Penn State, you hear those everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even within Pennsylvania, have you ever heard of a school uh, called Kutztown? Mm-mm. Kutztown University? No. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, who? Nope. Lemoyne College? Like, nah, I don't know that one. Out there, man, and that's why they're apples, bro. Every, they're all the same thing. Teach you some stuff academically, socially. Uh, and at the end of the day, you still get a piece of paper that says you committed time to getting that right yeah and that's what employers want to see but I, I you know it's an interesting concept when people are like uh or especially this past year when the pandemic happened they're like oh yeah go go to a community college and pay a fourth of what you're going to be paying as opposed to going to a school and being virtual and i, I saw that pop up a lot on, on it on social media right like, right remember that, that they're still charging you full tuition and i'm just like uh, you're missing a lot of the dots, connecting the dots. Is community college cheaper? Of course. Is the virtual class the same? Probably not, because some teachers uh, were able to adapt to virtual learning a little bit easier. But in reality, a 4.0 student at any institution is going to get, at a four-year institution is going to get a pretty hefty amount of money when it comes to scholarships. Uh and while you go to community college, yes, it'll save you money for those first two semesters, but you got to look at college like an investment. Like This goes back to it, right? Yeah. Four years, eight semesters. Uh, you know this as a transfer student, the money allotted to you for scholarship is a lot less than an incoming freshman. Of course. Why? Because the school is investing in you to be there. So who are they going to give the most amount of money to? They should be there longer. Or the person that's only going to be there for two years. Mm-hmm. And so I kept telling my friends that posted that I'm like, 
for a student that is getting their top scholarship, no, they go to that school and they go to that virtual because over time they're going to save more money. Um, for the student that got in, no merit-based, no, no, no scholarship money, no financial aid, community college might be a better option for you in the long run, whatever. Yeah. What people don't realize is if a student's admitted freshman year and then decides to go to community college, that scholarship money isn't going to wait for them to come back. They got to reapply as a transfer student and lose all that scholarship. Hmm. So th- there's, you know, when I kept saying that on, on, on social media, like, oh, go to community college. It will save you money. It will save you money for the first some first two semesters, three semesters. And then when you transfer in, you're not getting as much scholarship money. So you're losing. So a quick, for instance, a student at Delaware, top scholarship money is like $19,000. Okay. Or twenty thousand. Let's put it at twenty thousand. Yeah, easy. Eighty thousand over four years. Gotcha. Right. Um, That's room and board and everything. Oh no, the scholarship money. Top oh, scholarship okay. I'm with you now. Scholarship money for. I'm with you for, now. Academically is twenty thousand dollars a year. Okay, I got you. Eighty thousand um, dollars. It saves you instead of paying two hundred thousand, you're paying hundred twenty for four years. Right. Right. They, these are ballpark figures. Okay. If you were to go come in as a transfer, the highest scholarship that we give is five thousand dollars. Wow! Right, and so you, well, I didn't know there'd be that much difference. Damn! This is like the investment; they're investing in you being there. That's why you get as much as you get out as you take out. You have to give as much as you are going to take out. Right. The university is looking at you the same way. So it, I, I always find it tough when people are like. And I'm not knocking on community college. Community college is a great fucking option for a lot of families, right? Of course. Because at the end of the day, when you graduate from that four-year institution, it doesn't say University of Virginia through um, Virginia Western Community College, right? No, it's a University of Virginia diploma. You know, diploma behind you doesn't say Radford University through um, which what community college you go to? New River. You were, yeah, right? I say that like it's still the diploma, but I, there's such a people look down on community college because they they're like, oh, you, that's just so you can get in anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was, you know, when coming out of high school, that's what I always heard. Yeah, if if you can't get anywhere, you just go to community college and hope for the best. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, like you said, that's not the narrative. You can do, yeah. and it's what we've been saying the whole time. If you put the more work into it, you can make it anything you want to be. Exactly. And I think that's what society means by pulling yourself up by the straps. Um, Like if you put work in, you're going to get something out of it. Of course. Some people have those straps already. Like you're Velcroing your straps, but these people are are like Kevlar, you know, (laughs) there's a difference. But kind of like what you just said, if you're going to put the work into it, whether you go to community college first or a four year, you're still going to get a four year degree. Mm hmm. Right. But those there are students that get to the community college and get comfortable with working part time and making decent money. And then they get tempted with, let me keep working and make more money. And then they lose interest in school. I so, got gotcha. you. You know, it's we as a society have to change the narrative. Of course. I, I think with having a, a an educator in the White House now. With Dr. Jill Biden, you're going to see some changes when it comes to the community college level, which will then have a major effect on four-year institutions. Is that his plan? Is to for education? Her plan. 
Dr. Jill Biden. You said Jill Biden. Jill Biden, his wifey. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that part. I... Yeah, Dr. Jill Biden. She she's an educator, man. She's a she's a I, professor. I don't know a lot about her. So. Yeah, she's a professor. She she taught at Nova Community College when uh, when uh, P- President Biden was a vice president. Um, yeah, dude. She used to take the Amtrak train from D- from Northern Virginia up to Delaware, Newark, or Wilmington. Yeah. Huh. It's only a two-hour train ride. That's it? That. I didn't know that. Nah, from D.C. To, 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 to Newark, two hours, bro. Shit. Yeah. So it's it's a lot closer than people think, but people think Delaware, and all of a sudden they think Delaware, and they think, oh, man, you're up there in the cold of the north, and it's like... You're, you're not, though, right? You no, know, we're... Literally east of yeah, I was gonna say adjacent. <laughs> yeah, um, now, nah, but she, I think you'll see some policy coming into play because of her and her understanding community college and the opportunities it can give a lot of students and stuff like that. So my my prediction is community college will be a bigger option for low income students because uh, it'll be, I, I think it'll be free at one point. Um, like the state of, and before you think community college will be free. Yeah. I think community college will be free in the next 10 to 15 years. Really? Yeah. And then just, is it going to be a stipulation after community college, you go into a four year university or just free yeah. altogether? Free altogether. You can go into the workforce, whatever it may be. Um, Tennessee does it already. If you're a Tennessee resident, uh, you can go to community college for free and then transfer into one of their, one of their public institutions. I didn't know Tennessee did that. Huh. Yeah, like, and it's it's good because obviously there's parts of Tennessee that are real rural. Right, of course. And you know, poverty doesn't just exist in the hood; it exists on the farm as well, uh-huh. right? Uh, and I, I wish there was. This is going off topic, but that's fine. Racial tensions in this world or in our country is like, oh, I'm poor because of this person. And in reality, we're poor because of the people up top, not because of our brethren that that are from rural areas or our brethren that are from inner city you know and and poverty within education the way i see it expands more so in the lower class in two polar opposites when you think of the socioeconomic bubble so so uh, wait, what do you so go, yeah keep yeah I lost my train of thought keep going on that rural versus inner city okay poverty is still poverty you just in a different location access, yeah access to things are different like in a rural area you don't have high speed internet yeah I grew up in one of these areas but if you're in the inner city you may have high speed internet but it's hundred and fifty dollars a month which you can't pay for and if for some reason you're able to get it because you're on TANF or whatever it may be, or some type of government help, you're also sharing that internet with four or five other siblings in the house. Right. So we, we you, you know, unfortunately there are people that are say, oh, I'm poor because of the inner city and the inner city is like, oh, I'm poor because of white people. It, it's not like people are poor because the higher ups in the world, right? The 2% that could pretty much solve world hunger, United States, the hunger deficit here in the United States, and still have plenty of money left over. Is got they they keep everyone poor. I mean, that's why our economy is so fucked up, man. Like it's a triangle. You can't support wealth distribution is not proper. 
Well, this makes kind of pretty pretty uh, good sense because I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were talking. I think Flint, Michigan, still has zero clean water. Exactly. And they told me that I think there was a place in Virginia that was like that because of the water treatment plant. It's like how we're in a fucking America and we can't get clean water to these few places. Why? Yeah. I mean, what? Like you're saying, ninety nine percent of these we can get. I you know go anywhere I want to get clean water. I go to a sheets and find clean water, but in Flint, Michigan. I don't understand. Why can't we just not go up there and fix it? What's the issue? That's a million-dollar question. Yeah, I don't know enough about it, I guess, to actually get more intelligent about it. But it just makes zero sense to me that it's almost a third-world country in in that area. In parts of of this country, there's a third-world country. Yeah, and it just – it blows my mind just thinking about that. Man, it's so so fucked up, for, for lack of better words. But that correlates directly with the education crisis here. Like, I, I read something today. I follow a bunch of accounts on Instagram, and I'm, I'm I know I'm butchering this, but it said something to the extent of, we live in a world where the education system is balanced because of property taxes. So places that were higher property taxes have better schools, while maintaining places that were lower property taxes, the hood, right, in rural areas where money isn't evident there, and you're keeping education down because you're not providing the taxes to, to go into the school. Hmm. That makes sense now. And so, and you look at school uh, states without state tax, Florida, right? Their state tax, their public school system is shit. It's, it's some of the lowest public schools performing, lower performing public schools in the entire country. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude, because they don't have state tax. So, how do they fund the schools? Not to the extent of, of the Commonwealth. And I will say this, I am happy that I live in a Commonwealth because money is distributed pretty evenly throughout. Right. And, you know, living in Southwest Virginia for so long and meeting so many different types of people uh, when, you know, when Northern Virginia tilts the, the voting side, you know, people in Southwest Virginia are like, oh, we should just secede from Nova. Nova should be their own, their own state. I, I wonder if people understood understand the the issues that will arise for Southwest Virginia and how how poor Southwest Virginia would become without the taxes that are coming in from Northern Virginia. Yeah, I mean, worse no than what it already is now. Yeah, no one looks at that in the long run. They're just like, oh, they're they're tilting elections, and it's like, dude, like we're a Commonwealth. I pay higher taxes in Northern Virginia. Because uh, I know it's going to be distributed not only in Fairfax County but throughout. Right. Right. So um, it's there's so much, man. Like our education system is fucked. You know, we we have gone from being one of the top education countries in the world in the forties, uh, fifties, and sixties. We've fallen off hard. Yeah, we're like ranked twenty seventh in literacy. Right See, now? I don't even know twenty seventh in literacy. Mm. Or twenty seventh in math, or something like that. It was, it was, it was something junk. I, I know we've been dropping, but and it's because select few are continuing to rise, but as an as a population, we're shit. Yeah, you look at the overall, and it's just yeah, we're shit. So it's great that the top twenty percent can do so well, but what about the rest of the eighty? So do you think maybe if I don't know, I guess these politicians, government, whatever, goes into these inner cities and actually tries to provide more money, provide more opportunities, would we see a change? In they, they, they say it. They say they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've always heard. But, you know, um, 
you know, I get this from Joe Rogan, and he's always talking about if we are want our country to be actually great again, that if they actually went into these inner cities <clears throat> and made less losers, you know, not that they're all losers, but provided more mon- money and opportunities for them, as opposed to just saying, hey, I'm in the hood, this is how my life is going to be, this is the, uh, the delta of cards I, I, I was handed. Yeah. This is what I got. But no, if we gave them more opportunities to get out of the hood, besides being an athlete or just a rapper, a rapper or randomly just making it just because they actually put in the hard work. Um, I mean, dude, like I heard it, it was, I can't even remember what TV show it was. Maybe it was Trevor Noah. He's cool, he dude. Someone who, who used to be a politician uh, and, and who started off as an advocate and then garnered popularity, and then became a politician. Yeah. And and he said it. Hey, shut up. <laughs> he said, "I went into it not looking to be a politician. I just went into it to help my community, and then I became a politician." So he was trying to make things better, and then it was automatic, automatically became because he ran for office, like city council, and then became mayor, and then I think became like house senator or whatever. Like state senator, not senator for the United for the federal government, but for their state. And he realized the more in depth he got into actual politics, the less help he was actually giving. And you you sit back and think like, damn. So I could I could go into politics politics as as a regular Joe schmo, just trying to better the education system for that matter. Yeah. But the deeper I get in the less I'm actually helping because now it's about fundraising and shaking the right hands and, and making promises to the people that are giving you the money. And they always money. become corrupt politicians too, just because people the are saying, Hey, I need you, you to get this vote for X, Y, and Z. And then yeah. that changes their perspective on other things. Cause they're to, and, so, and so that changes their, yeah, that changes what they normally, that what they first went into the pop to be a politician, to better their community. But mm-hmm. then like, Oh shit. Yeah. Dude, and look, look at look at big winners in the past, even in the past, like not even national elections, but like Senate elections. Who are the ones that are winning? The ones that fundraise the most? Of course, get the most greenbacks, right? Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Like, so uh, I think Carlos Mencia, and I know Joe Rogan and Carlos Mencia don't get along. Yeah, but I, I used to listen to Carlos Mencia growing up, and he said, he said, "Fuck this electoral process where you go up there and debate." Because all that shit is nothing but empty promises. Well, I think when I get into office, I'm going to do this. And he goes, "Fuck that." Tell me who sponsors you, so I can decide. Do I want? Do I like Coke or Pepsi? Yeah. <laughs> Who's backing you as a candidate? Because if I don't, if I don't like Coke, I'm going to go with the guy that's get, getting back my Pepsi. Well, that goes back to higher education too, because most schools are either a Coke or a Pepsi school, too. right? <laughs> <laughs> Should that be a deciding factor in who you're, what school you're going to? No. No. And I never realized that before working in higher education. It's like, damn, they got to sign contracts to either be with Coke or Pepsi. Yeah, dude. Like, can you believe that? No, I would have never thought that. I mean, you know, I, I figured restaurants, okay, I get that. But, I mean, they were at a college here. I mean, just give me a, if I want a Coke or a Pepsi, damn, give it to me, right? Just, it's wild to me. There, there's so much, and it's and that's the sad part, man. Our world is so tied up behind money and contracts, and that's the capitalistic world, world we live in. Yeah, and and one other thing that I learned from working in higher education was free speech zones. Yeah. 
didn't, you know, I'd assume that it was all everywhere was, but it's not. There's, they have certain, obviously, you know, certain zones. Like, I think in Radford, it's at the Heath Clocks, maybe. I can't even remember now. That's where it was, anyway. But, yeah, that's the only time if you want to protest or. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy, man. And it's, unfortunately, it's a public institution and there's still limitations, but. I get why they have the limitations. Could, could you imagine uh, people coming to protest on campus on a daily basis? Oh, man. I mean, what, was it that Evergreen College? Um, I think it was in California where they just erupted and it just almost became a, it was an unsafe area at all times yeah. as far as riots and, you know, students getting behind a political idea and just, you know, if they brought in, a, I thought what speaker they brought in, but people were not wanting him to be there. Yeah. I think it was um, what's his name, the outspoken guy. Yeah, yeah, he's real outspoken. The name just passed you by. And then Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Ben and, Shapiro. Yeah, and uh, you know, students were causing uproars. Like oh, they had almost had to close down the whole campus. Yeah, but it's funny how you know people are like, oh, they're 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 silencing the conservative view, and it's not really silencing. It's like most education places are liberal they're teaching you to think broadly you know and and unfortunately we were i don't like to get into politics but i, well, I we don't, yeah we don't have to get into that because I, I do feel more and more now because the reason we're in the situation that we're in politically is because growing up you know our generation was taught don't talk about politics religion or sexuality see and that's what you know i've i've said on here i always get nervous if those topics start coming up because i don't feel very educated in those topics. Plus, you know, you know, as you just said, don't talk about it because you're almost going to start yeah, a huge but, debate or war and so I'm going to be the bad guy in this. But, when you know, comes, I want to get comfortable with those. When it, when it comes to political jargon and political talk, isn't it all mostly based off of opinion and not fact? Yeah, it's just based off, usually when growing up, it was based off, oh, because mom and pop said that and and I didn't know any different. Just, right? Yeah, because that's what I was taught. And religion. How is how does it affect me as a person that you are worshiping another another god than I am? Mm-hmm. Nothing. I don't uh, care. Or like sexuality, for instance. It's like people that have issues with the LGBTQ community are the people that go to Subway and get real upset because the person in front of them didn't get the same exact sandwich they did. Really? Yeah. Like you can't. If it if it doesn't affect you personally, and I'm not talking about like your family. Or, or or whatnot, because you know. But if it doesn't affect you personally, it's not like these people are coming to knock on your door and say, "Hey, you want to get married?" No, dude, no. I don't care about you. Don't yeah. fuck about you. Don't even fuck about them. Exactly. You know? and that's that's the whole political thing. Like, do I have friends that are on the conservative side? Of course. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I have friends on both sides. I try. I, I want to see things through both sides. Yeah. And not and, be married and, to an idea. Exactly. And that's where I get in trouble. Or somebody, yeah. or I do, and most people other probably get in trouble because they think, no, this is what I've heard, this is what I stand behind, and I and I agree that you should be that way, and that's fine. But there's also just because you've heard that doesn't make it's true, and that's actually legit. Correct. Right. Right. I mean, like, and we've been saying, you know, evolve, you know, learn new things, you know, because I, I mean, my eyes have been opened up, you know, a lot. What we've been talking about tonight, that with the missions <laughs> and stuff, and I would have never thought that, but there's also new things I can learn about and. Oh, that makes sense too. In the way you're seeing it, never, never looked at it in your eyes. Exactly, exactly, man. I, I'm. I, we're, we're so, we're so reliant on just 
you know, everybody's like, oh, you need to learn to communicate. Yes, you need to learn to communicate. But there's a huge factor of that entire thing that you're missing, and that's understanding. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to communicate, but we also need to learn to understand. Of course. And, and, yeah, very and I was talking to somebody else, you know, going on communication, having these civil debates. Yeah, I mean, we can disagree on something, and that doesn't mean we have to go – go crazy and start throwing drinks at each other and get mad and fist fight. We could just talk about it out, man. It's not, you know, then, okay. Then at the end of the day, all right, well, I don't have to hang out with that person. Like you said, I'm, I'm the same way too. Like we can disagree on things as long as it doesn't affect someone's right to be who they want to be. Right. We can disagree that you like coffee from, from Columbia versus I like coffee from Cuba. Right. Right. And that's a disagreement. But when people talk about, Oh, especially in the South, we got to keep Confederate statues. I'm like, bro, they're, they're symbols. They're symbols. If they're really symbols of heritage, why didn't those Confederate statues go up right after the Civil War? Why didn't they go up until the 1950s and 1960s? Is that when they went up? Yeah, man. I didn't say I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. But I, I was watching uh, Amend. Have you ever, did you see that Netflix documentary? What's it called? Amend. Amend, no. Uh, the fight for 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 U.S. His, the history of the U.S. or something like that. Will Smith directs it. No shit. All right, hold on. Let me put, let me put this in my notes real quick. Fourteenth Amendment, bro. It'll it'll shatter your mind. A M E N D. Yeah, like amend, like an amendment. Okay. Yeah, amend. The fight for for the U.S. or something. It's on Netflix. All right, I put it in there. I'll check this out. It's, it's badass. So, so go on about it. So they're talking about they're talking about the Fourteenth Amendment and how it changed the world and how it changed the world for for voting and civil rights and then LGBTQ rights and human rights and watch it, bro. You, watch it. It should be a message. You'd be like, you're gonna be like, holy shit, I didn't know any of that. Oh shit. Okay. I I don't know, man. Like, and I know we're going completely off tangent because we started on education now we're in politics, but it's all involved and it's all and we have to be able to talk about it as a human race, right? Um, well, if you don't, but, if you don't talk about it, it'll never, nothing will ever get solved. Yeah, if we don't talk about it, we don't get educated on it. Yeah. And just, you know, it just, just keeps sweeping it under the rug and that's what's going to keep causing more issues and more issues and until, you know, it just, like we had the riots just happen recently, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I was in DC for those. And <laughs> how, how was that for you? Was it, uh, I mean, I, I, I was in DC, like, but I, lived what 20 minutes away from dc at yeah the so did it not really affect you or no uh i mean you could see the virginia state police flying up 95 to, to get there and whatnot yeah but um what what terrified me was seeing the noose in front of the Capitol. shit Why did, you know domestic terrorists brought that in front of it you know yeah because we're protesting whatever you went up there protested that you were unhappy with the election great the moment you brought the news up you're bringing it you're bringing a whole different aspect from riots and protesting to domestic terrorism yeah that's just too far when you start and, and, and that's what i have my issues with like do i have trump supporting friends hell yeah like it's who it's the world we live in and some people think that that's the, the proper avenue for them um but it goes to us being a society of me 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 not a collective. Well, yeah. I mean, we're the United States, you know. But, but yeah, it, it, like you just said, we're not. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're in there's a. So, there's so much work we got to do as a society individually. Um, 
but it, it's gotta it's gotta be we gotta be more worried about the person next to us while also worrying about ourselves. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting factor, man. Yeah. I mean, I've and always you, heard that you're supposed to take care of yourself first, but, but, you know, just looking out for yourself is that, you know, it's not maybe the best. Between, there's a difference between self care and only caring for yourself. Okay. There you go. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Like self care for us is having these chats, shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. And just catching up and, and talking real terms and, and real issues and shit like that and, and educating each other and just different points of view that's self-care now when we take these conversations and take have it with the next person over that's also caring for them right so like it's sad man because i've had a lot of people say well the economy I'm like well if the only thing you're worried about is the economy you're worried about the people that provide the economy you're not worried about the people that drive the economy which is the people mm-hmm. you got to help the people to help the economy move right and so it's so what do you mean like it's when you say help the people you know there's there's been talks about a universal paycheck i guess universal check yeah i mean he was talking about it and so i mean is that kind of what you're saying that yeah i mean in my opinion, I'm not a political expert. I'm not an economy expert, whatever. Oh, yeah. We don't do that on this show, man. The, the, Just... way, I it, the way I see it, and maybe it might correlate with some way someone else sees it, what the Bernie Sanders of the world and the Andrew Yangs of the world are doing is the same thing, just from different talking points. Mm-hmm. Bernie's saying, let's go ahead and lower you know, college cost and uh, raise minimum wage raise minimum wage and uh, provide affordable um, child care and health care in that aspect. But Andrew Yang is like, all right, let's keep it the same, but let's give everybody an extra thousand bucks. So they're saying the same thing, just coming at it from different, different sides. Correct. Right. And then you get some politicians that are like, well, no, we just need to impact the economy and, and stimulate it more. Right. And, how are you going to stimulate it if nobody's got money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't get it going again if no one... Of course, the poor, which is your lar- the largest part of your population when it comes to money. You know, because it's only, the, what, the top 2% that have billions of dollars? You don't yeah. need to give them more money to stimulate the economy. You need to give the people down here to give them to stimulate mm-hmm. them. And it's... It, I don't know, man. Like, it's upsetting. It's disheartening. Uh, but I always say capitalism really only helps those with capital. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree. Yeah, if you got capital, you can do anything you want to do. Exactly. Those who don't have it, well, shit, I guess I'll just, just sit you're, here. You're going to be the one or 2% that can get lucky and make capital for yourself. But in reality, average Joes like you and I, unless we hit the lottery, we're not going to be making millions and millions of dollars. No. And if we do at one point, it's because it took us 20 plus years. Yeah, 20 plus work years of entrepreneurship and hard work. Yeah, hard work, getting lucky. And, you know, giving shout outs to to Draft Top for them to sponsor you on your next one, right? (laughs) 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 Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's so much fucked up in the world and there isn't one solid answer. And that's the unfortunate part about who we are as a society. We want black and 
black and white answers. Mm-hmm. But we we try to avoid the gray. But there's so much gray because that answer, while it's great for one person, it may not be great for the other. Yeah, and there's no way to to like you're just saying find that meat, find that middle. No, not at all, bro. And it's the same thing with education. Just to go back full circle. Harvard is a great institution, no doubt. Is it great for some students? Yes. Will it be a poor choice for other students? Of course. Yeah. So here we are, man. <laughs> man, you brought it back full circle. So we just end it right there. <laughs> I tried to, man. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we definitely just shot the shit. It, it, what we just had was literally what would have been happening on a patio at McAdoo's or Sharky's cigar yeah and seeing this and that's what i've been trying to tell people this is what i want this podcast to be like you know just to sit down it'd be authentic we sit around and just you know i don't want to be scripted we just go off whatever's on top of head if we're wrong i've been called out numerous times already on stuff i've been that's fine it's okay if i'm wrong i'm wrong and but at least i have the balls to say hey i was wrong yeah and that's part of it man okay well tell me how i was wrong okay but then i'll fix it next time i'll grow that's what I that's what I'm I will evolve. There we go, baby. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's end it on a good note, man. You brought it back full circle. Um, nothing but good times. I appreciate you being here. I'd shake your hand if we were in person. I wish we were, but next time you come to Radtown, maybe we uh Well bro, I, I just I moved to Richmond here recently. Oh yeah? Uh, I'm living in Glen Allen now, so if you're ever up this way, hit me up. I got a guest room and everything. Oh. If you're if you're not allergic to cats. No, no cats. We, we got a, we got an adorable little puppy too. Okay. Which, yeah. So, plenty of room, man. Come shoot the shit. There's a bunch of breweries out here. You know, I always got a Cuban cigar in my in my. I love that, man. You speak in my language, bro. <laughs> and we could do we could do bourbon too, or we could do a nice stout, whatever. Hey, maybe. man, it's your it's your world up there. I'll, I'll just be happy just to be part of it, man. So. <laughs> yeah, brother. Well, as always, I can tell everybody, man. Stay safe. Stay well. Appreciate you for having me. Uh, of course. Really uh, and hopefully we get to shit, shoot the shit in the future in person. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, this is a great conversation. Like, again, appreciate you being here and all that good stuff. And, yeah, hopefully I get to see you next soon enough. Say what? Listen, next time we'll just talk st- strictly sports. <laughs> yeah, not get off on politics and education. So. Yeah, but we still got to get into it because it's all political. Yeah, dude, it all, like you just said, it'll come back around full circle, man. So, <laughs> All right, Louis, man, I'll let you go, man. Again, appreciate you. All right, later, bud. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.